Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby. When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey guys, Merry Christmas. Um, in this upcoming segment, uh, we have a good friend, Melvin Watson. And in our conversation, uh, we talked a lot about the support system um, from the community. Uh, we talked about, you know, just limited, when you have adverse situations, how it can limit, limit your thoughts about people, about situations. Um, we also talked about the big sacrifice, you know, everybody wants to make it to the NBA, everybody wants to make a lot of money, but it was a time in Melvin's life where he had to make a, a huge sacrifice. Um, and we get into that a little bit. So um, without further ado, um, let's get into the interview, Melvin Watson. So, right, you know, get it right into it, man. You know, like, you know, first other podcast, we always talked about, you know, like the, the Day Foundation, our job is to be that soundboard and try to try to give information to, you know, parents, communities, whatever. And I think the best way to do that is talking to former coaches, former uh, players, uh, you know, just getting that wealth of knowledge. And one of the things we come up with that's, that's starting really in our conversation is, you know, the parks and rivals, right? Yeah. Um, take us back to, you know, a lot, lot of our story. A lot, I mean, uh, pretty much of our story would be redundant, but, you know, uh, for, the, for, the, for the viewers, just take us back to, you know, parks and rivals and, and how important the parks was and in, 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 in what park you came up on and, and how that was important to your ground system. Man, for me, um, for me being the player that I turned out to be is because of the community, the whole community in Charleston. Like sure. from from back to green, the east side to the boys club, to Hampton Park, to Mitchell Park. I mean, those guys allowed me to come in their area and be able to hoop and play against the best guys in their area. For sure. So that kind of made, you know, give you a gauge of what your game was. Because, you know, we have a lot of guys who were talented, but never could really get on the court high school wise because of grades or just situation with the coach or whatever it may be. But, you know, going on the park and playing against Snipes, Spuddle, guys like that, man, you – I mean, they made you bring your A game and they made you step your game up. So to be able to go on the parks and play in the Midnight League and and just go against different type of guys, even going up in uh, North Woods with uh, – Right, right. In the morning and playing with Ralph and those guys and going to North Charleston Gym, when we, you and I went up there and 
probably won like nine games straight before we lost. <laughs> sure. But it's stuff like that, man, that, that helped me became the player that I am today. You, you mentioned something crucial about, you know, about uh, Snipe them and all of them and all the, a lot of players talk about that, that men at basketball game when you and Snipe had – it's not got the it's not got the best of you. I mean, but oh, no doubt. Yeah. But 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 you know, the, just those just times you talked about those guys that really didn't didn't get a chance to play, but was really 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 talented. Probably more talented than 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 we were. But we'll yes. get to that a little later. But I want to ask you a question. I'll put you on the spot. You know, out of the three parks downtown between you know Mitchell Park, Hester Park. Um, Hamp was kind of neutral. Everybody came to the Hamp, but what, what right, were the better right. the better runs were, 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 or Mitch or the Hess? Now I'm gonna get you in trouble, but I just want to hear your input on that. I'm not the bitch. The Mitch. Don't go with the Mitch. Yes, man. The Mitch. <laughs> the the Mitch. Mitch. And let me tell you why I said the Mitch. You say, hold on, double horse, and all oh, you say the Mitch versus versus. Let me. Let, all right. Let me tell you why I say the Mitch. Because when I first started up. Playing on, you know, before I got a chance to play on a full court, I was playing on crates and stuff. When I got a chance to start playing on a full court parks, you had like Nard, the older guys gave me an opportunity to play. No, right. that was my start, startup. I didn't know about horse and those guys. See, you were on that side where for sure there were more, you, you had more opportunities on that side to see more talent. For where sure. I was playing with older guys who were physical. Gotcha. Now, they made me tough. Gotcha. Now, when you're talking about talent-wise gotcha. and all that, yeah, I, I see I see where you're going with that. And it's down the middle for me. I, it's hard to choose, but I got to give love to to Mitchell Park because that's where it really started for me. Right. And, and I mean, like I said, just, it's all what you know. I don't know the Mitch, so of course I'm going to be biased right. to the to the Hefts. But right. – but but at the same time, you made a good point. And that's why I asked that question, because I think you said, like, the Mitch made you physical, the Hess made you skillful, and that was a mixture of how you, you know, how you package your, your game, basically. Right, right. Right. That's, that's, that, that's a true statement, man. And, I mean, those guys, don't, when you're playing, you don't even realize what they're doing for you. Like, yeah, for sure. you know, they just, they old school, just fundamental, you talk about, uh, I know you're going to laugh when I say his name, but Shake, uh, Game Breaker, and uh, mm, help mm, me out. Mm. Shoot the long jump shots. Oh, oh, oh top of the Coon. Coon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Coon, like, when you playing against older guys like that, man, you just, you, you don't really, you, you take that stuff for granted. Right. And right. those guys had a lot of, a lot of skill set that was overlooked because they weren't athletic and quick like we were. You're right. But they got the job. You done. know, we stole. We, we we got a chance to steal a lot of things from the, from those guys, the older guys, and like that to add right. to our game. You're right. And and don't don't forget about Sheik the Freak. Yes, sir. How, how, you know, that that that's um, that kid was. Everybody know, man. He, he his name don't come up enough. From what I'm hearing about who's the best and all that, he's right up there with them, man. Right. Right, and you know it's just it's unfortunate that it never that they never got a chance to play high school ball when people in different areas get to mm. see what we saw out there on the park. Right, right. So I mean, those were some battles, man. Those those guys like that, sh- Tony P, guys like that. I mean, you talk yeah. about six five guys who can handle before. 
Right. You know, before uh, the game changed to going in that direction, those guys, we've been seeing that stuff. So, sure. I mean, that's that's where that's where we got our game from, watching those guys play. Right. right. Yeah, because so, they used to give us buckets. Right. So, you know, that that, that – and then, you know, coming from – coming from, you know, Rivers Middle School and then, like, I mean, many times, man, I, shit, I, I get home. I don't even go up the, up, upstairs. I threw my bag under the porch and ran on the park because – had you not get in the park like early and get a game, you 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 done for the day because they are already run set up and in order to stay on the floor, you gotta win, you know? Right. And and um you're right. The one thing I had to do, man, I had to hurry up and just do the homework right quick. Hit you on the phone, say, hey man, meet me on the corner, and I right. put you right. in the handlebar, we going from park to park playing. Right. So right. Yeah, you're right, right about that. So, you know, talk about, you know, as far as, like, middle school and, you know, we played in the parks. You know, when when was it uh, – when did it hit, you know, as far as, you know – because cause you started off, like, you had an early career. You jumped on the scene early, and I was always in your shadow. So I got to learn a lot just by watching you develop and watching you go. Um, when was it, you know, as far as playing in high school, when was that – you know, because we, we shared that love for it, but when was it you personally that you – you wanted to, you know, play at the next level and 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 be a a, a local star. Uh, that was never it for me, I, to be honest, man. I, I'm my first love was football. I mm. played football all the way up until probably eighth or ninth grade. I remember uh, going out to JV practice with Junior, and and we were going doing some drills, and Coach Singleton was doing the. Uh, DB drills and it was like 110 degrees out there, man. I was like, man, this this ain't for me, man. So oh, man. I, I popped the helmet off and was like, man, hey, here you go, man. I'm done. But as far as basketball, I just did it, man, just because you know, um when we're when we're out there competing, you know how guys are on the court, man. They mouthy and they, right. you know, they talking trash. And being a competitive I am, I ain't gonna keep taking that. So I just kept working until I could beat that guy. And and that guy was Jamar. And when I started beating Jamar, it went to Big Kim. Mm-hmm. And when it went from Big Kim, and then you know, it just went on, it just kept it kept growing without me really having love for it like that. Cause I wasn't even gonna play. I think um Coach Choice, mm-hmm. Chops. You know, our first JV coach, man. I love Coach Choice, man. That's coach right. Choice. Oh, man. I forgot about Chops. Oh, yeah, man. Ch- Chops brought Chops, us. Man. You know, he, he 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 took us under his wing. He taught us everything we needed to know. Right. So when we right. when we took that next step to play varsity, we were ready. Right. Right. We were ready, you, man. You, like you, you, you um, you played. I remember that red, white, and blue jersey in, in the Marty Richard Classic at the College of Charleston, right? Um, because I, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think you. You sat Jermaine Wine down. He was a senior. You know what I mean? Because the roster was tight. As a freshman, you can't. You started as a eighth grade or freshman. Well, eighth. If you remember correctly, now me and the jamboree, you and I sat next to each other on the bench. I remember. I was saying, we I was both made. Grade. We both made. We had made the team. Well, made the team at that point to play during the jamboree. That's true. And we looked at each other and was like, "Man, hey, this is too that. much, man. We need to move down because that team right. was." was loaded it was now loaded. even though you're saying yeah I, I i remember jermaine one and you know me ending up sliding in that spot 
mean, truthfully, he could have put Cornell C in that spot. Right, spot. Right, right. And, you know, if Tony P had come out, because I believe he was eligible, there's it, it, no telling how the story would be right now. I mean, you're a humble guy, and, and I understand it, but Cornell C could have jumped out of the gym. Cornell C was very athletic. Cornell C could have hit the, the mid-range pull-up. Yeah. Cornell C can can break a Kentucky press. You know what I'm saying? He can break, He can run the point the way you can run a point. So, I mean, no, I, appreciate no, your, no, I appreciate your humbleness, but we talking no, about – Hold on, back, let's back up now because okay. at that at that time, I didn't have those skill set yet. I was quick with the ball with my right. moves. Right. But my decision-making and being a point guard, I really wasn't a point guard. Right. I was a full, I was a undersized four-man who can rebound the ball and handle it in transi- go transition. Right. I remember at one point, man, I hit a wall. Where I was not playing well for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I remember turning to Jamal and saying, man, Cornell C should be starting. Mm. He started laughing. You know, and, I, and as a player, you just understood, like, how the game was going. And I always put team first. I always wanted to win. We, we both were winners. We always won games. Right. And that was more important than my numbers or just being able to start. But, you know, Jamal was like, hey, man, just, just hang in there. Just stick with it. You straight. And, you know, long story short, short, I got out of that slump just in time, just before the playoff game. Because it was around the time, I think, we were getting ready to play uh, North Charleston, and Abdul picked me at half court. Yeah, and I that. never heard the end of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so I was struggling at that time, man, as, as a freshman. Right. But, I mean, I mean, you, 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 you pull through it. Yeah. And, and, and talk about our times, man, you know, we – I never forget about the time we, you know, we go to camp. The team go to summer camp every summer, right. and we decided together not to go to camp and go to summer school. Yeah, I remember that at Mount yeah. Pleasant. Went to Wando. Yeah, yep. That's a sacrifice because you know we we realized what we didn't have. We realized the people that that came before us, all the things that they didn't do. Right. So right. I think we started making adjustments, and I think because of you know two friends being supportive and having a, you know, a common right. goal that was right. more productive than, you know, someone that's, 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 that they want to do them, them themselves. You know what I'm saying? No matter right. what the talent level, I think the, the energy and the cohesiveness is what, what made us, you know, got through a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot better per se. Yeah. I mean, I, I can remember, um, I think what happened that year, you know, my uncle Rodney, uh, had saw some letters that I got from like Stanford and Wake Forest and stuff like that. You know, back then we would get a bunch of letters. Right. That's that's how recruitment was for us. Right. Um, he saw the uh, and I had to fill out the questionnaire and it was like, hey, do you have this course mm. in math? Do you have this course in science? And I was like, you know, he was asking me. I was like, nah, you know, I don't have those courses. He's like, why you don't have these courses? And I really couldn't tell him because I'd never. Went in the office with my guidance counselor and sat down and talked about course selection as far as right. scholarship and anything like that. And that's that's not knocking my guidance counselor or anything. We just didn't, we didn't understand know. the process of it. Right. So when he got wind of it and he, you know, he knew some people and talked to some some uh, coaches. And then he was like, hey, look, you're going to have to make some sacrifice. And that's when I, you know, talked to you about, hey, this is what's going on. Right, right. Like you said, man, it's like 
And I, I think that's what's missing a lot now in the game. Uh, well, in the area that, you know, you got to surround yourself around people who have the same goal. You and I always wanted to just make it out and make our family proud For sure. and make the city proud because we worked hard. For sure. And For sure. We, we were fortunate enough to, to have good people. And just to get off topic a little bit, man, is, there's a couple of people I want to thank on, the, on this po- podcast that was really special in my journey to where I am. Uh, Ms. Henderson. For sure. Uh, Beak. For sure. Quentin. Uh, uh, Mr. McLeod and the band, Delbert Foster. For sure. Uh, Reverend Dallas. I can't thank him enough. I, I, me and I are going to get into that. Get into that. He, I mean, he just changed my life completely. I mean, sure. Mr. Cochran, we had so many great people around us to, who wanted to see us be successful. And, you know, those, those I, I wouldn't be where I'm at without those people in my life. For sure. And I, I appreciate, I feel blessed that God put those people in my life during that time. And without them, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. What we just experienced is very crucial to the young heirs. Um, finding your support system, finding those people in the community. And sometimes it may, may not always be your family. Sometimes it may be just your family. But finding that support system that can help you through tough times, that can help you figure the ways out on how to be recruited, on, on nutrition, on um, athletics, um, academics, um, I mean, what have you. The support support system is very, very, very needed. And not from a, always a monetary standpoint, all right? So if you find that, that family, that person, um, they give you that support you need to help you get through your middle school, high school, collegiate, and then even in your professional career, I advise you to, to lock in on that and make that very, very special. That's a, that's that's a good point, and and that's a segue into, you know, the, the other topics where, you know, high school we're playing and we're getting recruited, um, we're getting letters, we don't have grades, but um, <clears throat> Reverend Dallas was crucial into, you know, putting us in a situation where we right. he, we were supportive, like, you know, you I guess you know you can go because we we uh actually his his uh his his podcast uh his segment is uh this week, but I'll let you go in depth because uh, we talked briefly about when we went to, you know, Compton and, you know, in, in Vegas and traveled <laughs> all over the country, man. And, right. and didn't, and didn't from his recollection, we didn't lose one, but one game. So talk about how crucial that was into the development of not only personal, but, you know, as a community, how, 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 how important he wasn't for us at that time. Uh, the midnight uh, yeah. madness basketball was, was huge. I mean, at that point, when we were playing in it, I already was kind of committed to going to uh, Spartanburg uh, Methodist. And 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 before you get into that, tell tell the audience why. Because you could go anywhere in the country, 
I didn't have the grades. I, I came up short with my SAT scores. I think I missed it by like 15 points mm-hmm. or 10 points, something like that. And um, at that point, the only alternative I knew of was, you know, playing at JUCO. Right. Uh, at that time, uh, Big Kim was at Jones Junior, Junior College and the two twins were at Connor. And those guys were on me pretty heavy. And I, I actually went out there for a visit to uh, Mississippi where big, mm-hmm. uh, where Kim went to school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I came back, I just figured it was, that was too far for my family. Right. It was just, you know, it would be too much on them to try to come and see me play. So I was like, I'll just go to Spartanburg Methodist. And at that time, you know, they were pretty, they were pretty good. And they had a couple of guys that were going division one. I didn't know all that at the time. Anyway, I just knew it was close. Right. They had a really good coach and you know, I was pretty much settled in. I didn't care where it was. I just wanted to go to school. And then uh, when we started playing in the Midnight Madness and playing against some of the top talent in the in the city, and not only in the city, but in the North area, in West Ashley, and, and with Reverend Dallas to bring it all together. I mean, that was real competitive. And it gave me an opportunity to meet Reverend Dallas because that's when I met him. Right. And, you know, one day he just pulled me to the side and said, hey, have you ever thought about prep school? I had no idea what he was talking right. about. Right. No clue. I was like, no, I never heard of a prep school. But for some, for someone to look, at, to look at me and say, hey, man, you got something special. And to make the sacrifice that he did. For sure. I mean, that's truly a blessing. For sure. I mean, our, our, our path were almost identical. We were almost walking the same path, man, uh, with basketball and trying to, you know, make it. And for the for God to bless us and bring Reverend Dallas in our life, that was, I mean, I can't say no more than I, I'm just lucky. I right. really am. Yeah, because I going to JUCO, I still, I don't know what would have happened. I didn't, you know, that JUCO route is different. It would have changed the course of the game because your exposure would have been limited and not knocking that particular school, but just knocking that level of brand of basketball when right. it came to the coaches looking at. So you probably would have been a, <clears throat> going to less a mid-major college, wouldn't get his notice, and then yeah, it would have changed the right. scope of things. But through the through 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 his blessings, I remember you know because you went to Spin- went with Spinelli at Winchester. Yeah, I was good there, but Spinelli didn't want me, so we went to I went to Fort Union and we beat beat them the next year. But anyway. Um, yeah, our past were kind of yeah. We beat Winston the next year. We played them when um the year you left, but um yeah, our past were kind of identical, and that's what that's the support, and that's you know the, the direction and the um and the vision he had, you know for this for this area, and you know ROI is is, is what I think that's his best <clears throat> return is return on investment. You know, I, I t- right. anything that I do, anything that I I say, I always profess. You know, my my just being grateful for what for what he did. So, you know, talk about the Winston years because I'm pretty sure you. I mean, you played against. I played against Jamal Williams. I played against a lot a lot of major great players on that scene. Who were some great players you played against? And and, and talk about the culture and the time spent in Winston because it wasn't easy being away from home in that cold and still being successful. No, it, it wasn't easy. When you talk, well. I'm going to tell you a story when I first went up there and um, 
they were we were all in the gym and and like you spinelli wasn't really quite sure if i would be a good fit because i didn't have a all-american tag on my name or ranked in the top i didn't know all of that stuff you know what i mean we just played we didn't know any of that stuff right. but we were all in the gym and randell jackson randy mills uh bino another and then uh and a couple of other kids that were like from Louisiana. I think this is the first time I saw a six eight guy with point guard skills. Right. And you know, coming from where we came from, if you six eight, you were on the block. Oh day. And then that gave me a you know, going and playing in a pickup game, I saw something totally different, like a game changer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I ain't never seen anything like this before. And this guy can move like a guard. He was just quick. And so now you start second guess if you made the right decision coming up here. Mm. But being a competitor that we are and coming from our background, playing on from part to part, our community teaches us, sure. hey, man, we ain't scared of nobody. Right, right. So we lace up. We're going to do what we're going to do. And, you know, history took its course. I mean, right. at that time, I got adjusted. I started playing better. They made me up my game. And like you said, it, it was a different type of talent. Made you play different, made you a smarter ball player. Right. As good as we were, we still had to work on our IQ because we still didn't know how to really play the game yet. I agree. So I agree. I think a lot of kids don't understand that part of it. Yeah, you can go out on the park and play one-on-one and just play, but when I put you in the system and you have to think and you have to read and all that stuff comes in play, a lot of kids struggle. Right. So. Right. For me, that's where my growth came at going to prep school. And you made a good point about being competitive because when, when I was at Folk Union, you know, Jason Jason Williams was there. White Chocolate was there. Um, okay. And he was a point guard there, and we was going at, you know, going going at it. And, um, you know, I think because of the situation, him being from West Virginia, I mean, that was his place. Like, I, I think they wanted me to kind of lay down. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And kind yeah. of let him take his course. My thinking back now, my business mentality, I would have laid down because the exposure would have brought, you know what I'm saying? But I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't understand that side of it and that we went at each other to the point that he left. You know what I mean? He, he left and oh. he left and went to Florida. No, he went to um Marshall, then he went to Florida. But he yeah. left that year, and I could have been man, I could have been playing against a you know, a great team. I could have brought more colleges, but anything worked the way it's supposed to work out. But right. we talk about players. <clears throat> I talk to players about that all the time. Analyzing your situation, like if you had adversity, you know, with a, a player in a situation, do you do you deal with it head on? Do you how do you handle that? We will talk about that because BJ and I talked about that briefly, you know, as well. But we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. So you know, coming from Winchester and you start playing well, what was your what were your, uh, your, your, your options as far as, you know, USC or other colleges and why did you choose USC? And before you answer that question, um, as I talk to more players and even coaches, everybody makes decisions based on comfortability, right? Um, mm-hmm. No one, no one, not say no one, but the stories I've heard, what I want to start making players understand is like, sometimes you got to be comfortable, uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. not necessarily making decisions because it's close to home or your 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 cousin go to that school or 
or what have you. So this I just want to throw that out there. But we want I want to hear your options that you had prior to you choosing um, USC. Uh, to be honest, USC wasn't even in the picture. Mm. Um, when we played AAU before I left with Ray Allen and Thad, Marcus Saxon, Danny Strong, Arthur Carlisle, great team. Uh, Roderick Blakeney, I mean, really good team. We was done there, we was doing our thing. And at the time, I think uh, when the assistant came to watch us play Team Michigan, to go to the championship game. And I still can remember this to this day. He walked up to me and said, you turn the ball over too much, you can't play for us. Now at that time, I thought I played well. I had 17 points, eight assists, and probably like I had about four turnovers. Mm-hmm. You know, in AAU, there's a lot of, of ticky-tack foul that they're gonna let go because sure. they're trying to let the coaches see guys play. For sure. And I didn't. I didn't get mad or anything. I was just like, "Well, you know, that's not an option." Right. But when I once I got up to uh, Winchester, when I first got up there, the College of Charleston was pretty much what I had on the table. Right. And then once we played in in the Fort Union Classic down there, where Hargrave and MCI, Mm. all the top prep school at that time. Once we Mm -hmm. played down there. Mm-hmm. I came out of that averaging 24, 25 points a game. My recruitment took off. I mean, mm-hmm. Georgetown, Syracuse, Seton Hall, Pittsburgh, all the big East schools. Right. And, you know, I wasn't really trying to make a decision at the time. I was just going. Going with the flow, I would reach out to Reverend Dallas from time to time and talk to him about some, some of the uh, schools that were recruiting me. And he did a really good job of being – you know, kind of bias and, you know, allow me to make my decision. Right. But it came down to, it was Georgetown, Syracuse, and, and what was the other school? Pitt. It came down to those three schools. Carolina had just lost Shaman to North Carolina. Right. They didn't have a guard. So they came to watch us play MCI when they had uh, Brad Miller. And the other guy that went to uh, to Purdue with him, you know, mm-hmm. Brad played in the league for a couple of years. But right. in that game, I had 32 and 10. And I saw him after the game, and he came up to me and said, hey, would you still be interested? Like, you know, in this day and age, you right. know what kids would have told him in yeah. this day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, you know, you, you've got to have a maturity level. I understand it's a business. And everybody don't always make the right decision. Sure. And sometimes a recruiter may catch you on a bad day. You just you just have one of those days. Right. But overall, you know you're good, and the productivity in the end is going to come on top. Sure. So when he was able to see that, you know, he, he offered me on the spot, and he called Coach Fogler on the spot. And I'm going to tell you why I choose South Carolina. When I talked to Coach Fogler, well, he said he's going to come up the next day and visit, and he did. Coach came out with a polo shirt on, uh, some slacks and penny loafers with no socks when it was 20 degrees out there. He, I don't know what he was thinking about, but he came out there and it was really cold, and we sat at a McDonald's at the bottom of the hill of the school, and all we talked about was academics and making sure I was going to get my degree. For sure. Now, everybody I've talked to at that point was talking about 
basketball and playing time. Now, Syracuse was really, really pushing for a visit. Georgetown was really pushing, you know, for me to wait along with Pitt, just kind of wait and see. I guess they were trying to wait and see who was still going to be left on their recruiting board. Right. I guess I was probably third on their board or something like that. But coach came in, and, and I was really impressed with just how he sold the importance of, of a college degree because that was the most important thing at the time for me. Sure. Not the NBA. You and I never talk about making it to the league when we was playing. Sure. I, I don't never ever remember having a conversation. That's right. But hey, man, I got to get to the league and I got to do this. I got to do this, that, and the third. It was always about, hey, man, we got to get to school, graduate, get a degree. Right. You know, degree going to get you the, the house, the two car, the white picket fence. Right. That was that's, that was our, our idea. For sure. So, the, you know, all the other stuff that came along with it was just a plus. For sure. And when he said, coach said, hey, you're probably going to play 10 minutes behind Kerry Rich when you get to campus. I just said, okay. See, in my mind, yeah, you saying that. <laughs> but in my mind, he's going to have to show me. Right. So, right. I, like I said, I didn't I've, – I've always been competitive. I always wanted to play the best. I always trusted my skills. I knew I was a good defender because anytime we're on the park, I'm guarding you. For sure. And I felt like if I can guard you, I can guard any damn body. For sure. Because – and I and I knew I had to do that to be better defensively. I had to play you every time we're on the, on the court. Sure. Or if it's not you, is whoever is the second best if you're not playing or if you're not on the court that day. I've always wanted to play the best guy opposite of me. In today's timeout message, we got Ben Betts. You know, even as assistant coaches, and you know, I know like I work for different, ho- different head coaches and some were more player-oriented, some weren't, you know, but as an assistant, man, it's it's our job, and even my role now is I got to figure out how to develop relationships, you know, with the players and, and really, really get to know them, and, you know, like now it's just, and obviously, I take this for an example, man, back then, it wasn't a whole lot of cell phones. It wasn't a whole lot of texting. You had to man get face to face with a guy. Exactly. You know, exactly. so man, those conversations, you know, sometimes I'm not saying that was the case between you and I or anybody. It was just a lot different. For man, sure. you had to really sit down and get out of eye, man. Just just really talk about some stuff. Now let's get back to the interview. So, but that's how I ended up going to USC. I, I think it, I, at the time it was a great move for me. My mom, you know, at that time, my mom, we were really struggling as a family. And it allowed me to be close enough to use my resources. Um, resources. Yeah, my resources and the money that we always got for free every semester. Redeem. You know, yeah, yeah. We, I was, I was uh, sending Pell, that home. Pell Grant. That Pell Grant that you don't have to pay back, right? I was sending yeah. that home, make sure she was straight. Like, I just wanted to make sure that she was okay and that I was close enough to help if I needed to help. So, 
those things factored in. I didn't look at record or coaching style or it just didn't matter at that point. I figured I could fit in anywhere you put me. For sure. So sure. that's and, how I ended up at USC. And that's and that's pretty much, you know, what what happened when you when you got that tenacity and and that will to win. And and just so you know too, yeah, and, and I always like to play against you too, because I think I, I can work on my offensive moves. You know what I'm saying? Being that you was a, a a strong defender and and just strong. I mean, your 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 butt. I mean, you always were thick up. Your butt is high <laughs> because of the bike rides that you do. Right, right. You know so people don't understand that that your people. You know, we as athletes want to work on our upper body, but that 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 butt and thighs, man. That's the core. What makes you run longer, faster? For a period of time, because you're going to yep. upper body, you're going to wear out. You got to be able to tote that. And yep. I think you naturally always had, you know, what I'm saying that that lower that lower core, that lower strength that that allow you to to be strong, uh, be heavy defensively. But it goes back to what you're saying, man. When we going from Hester Park, the Hampton Park, the Mitchell Park, to to Mall Park, and I'm toting you and getting back home. <laughs> Yeah, I'm working on my legs without even thinking about it. Right. No, at that me. time, we weren't driving no cars. Right. right. You told me because I can't tell. I can't tell <laughs> so, yeah. Right, right. You know, how was it like, you know, as far as – and I spoke to BJ Mackey, you know, just about adversity with players because, you know, Shane and I, we were best friends now, but I didn't want to be friends with him in school because – you know, when it, when the coaches watch that film and, you know, they see me getting this possession, I'm going to get that nod, right? Right. And if right. you're my friend, like, I don't want to hurt you, bro, right? So I had to avoid those relationships because I know what I needed to do. But, you know, now we order and, and you're in business and you got, you know, relationships, you can't deal with them that way, right? Right. Um. How how were ad- adverse situations with you? You know, talking to BJ, referring to what he talked about is that you guys had to talk. You had to yeah. sit down and just be men and talk about that. And after, when you did that, then your progress, you know, I mean, it, it went out of the building. So, you know, at, at first, but before prior to talking about that, what were what were some of the, some of the thoughts and how do you deal with adversity? And what should you give the audience to listening on on what not to do? Oh, man. Uh... You have to have – it goes back to what you said. Sometimes you have to be uncomfortable to be comfortable. Right. And I think, you know, when I was there, after my freshman year, I had a really good freshman year. It was all SEC freshman team. Uh, at that time, I was selected to go play in games out in, uh, in out West and play in these games. And, and BJ was also – uh, playing out in those games as well as an, as an All-American coming in. Mm. But when, um, you know, when he made his announcement and you're sitting in a dorm mm. and mm. you watch, you're watching TV and <laughs> they break into what you're watching to say, hey, <laughs> BJ Mackey is ready to make his announcement. So mm. you're sitting thinking like, oh, okay. Mm. So, you know. I'm just sitting there watching. He said, well, you know, I, I made my commitment. I decided I was going to stay home and go to the University of South Carolina and, and play 
pretty much play point. So I'm like, what the hell? Right? So the first thing I did was I uh, I went to see Coach White. He's our academic advisor over at the Roost. Make sure you have all your grades and your classes up to par. I had a conversation with him. I said, hey, you know, Coach White, I just saw that Coach Fuller recruited another point guard. You know, I thought I was his guy. Right, right. And he was like, well, you probably just want to, you know, have have a conversation with Coach, sit down and see, you know, what he's thinking. But in my mind, I'm like, damn, that we don't need another point guard. Right. So I went ahead and started preparing to transfer. And I had the paperwork and stuff that I was going to get. And I called my mom and his mom knows best, man. I talked to her and she was like, hey, she was like, why are you trying to leave? And I was like, you know, I tried to explain it to her. And she was like, that's dumb. And just hung the phone up. Right. And at that time, now I'm mad at my mom because she, sure. she wasn't listening. Sure. But that forced me to have a conversation with Coach Fogler. And Coach Fogler was like, no, you don't need to transfer. Here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. Mm. So when he explained, when he laid out the plan, plan, I understood what he was saying, but I didn't like it. For sure. I'm like, I, and that, that, in my mind, like, that, that's not going to work. This shit ain't going to sure. work. I mean, because he's going to want the ball, and I want the ball. So Absolutely. it's not going to work. Absolutely. So, he's he's so, Mr. Basketball. He's, he can put numbers on the ball. Why would he not want the ball? Right, exactly. So when coming in, and, and that's the fear of, of, of not succeeding. When competing against somebody, and that's the failure of mm. of falling short mm. that makes you start talking and thinking that way, like to run away mm. at that time. And at that time, I thought my stocks was high. Somebody going to take me. So, but when once I sat down to talk to coach, I was okay. And then when he came, that he here's where it got. This is where I didn't like him. It wasn't that he came in, but I would have students say, "Hey, man." BJ gonna take your spot. <laughs> I, hey, I'm talking about I can't go eat without somebody coming up to me and talking to me about BJ. So I got sick of that shit. So right. I was like, okay, when he come on campus, I'm gonna bust his ass. Right, right. So so every time he every time we play pickup, I got BJ. I'm talking about I'm going hard like it's an NC2A championship. Right, right. And he, he was like, hey, you know, he was like, man, he's strong and he couldn't get to his spot. Pretty much the same thing I went through my freshman year. For sure. But I was so caught up into myself, I didn't, I didn't, you know, extend mm -hmm. the olive branch to mm -hmm. help my brother out who could mm -hmm. make us better. I couldn't mm -hmm. see that at the time. Mm -hmm. so at that time, you know, it, it took a minute, man, because sure. his first year he came in and BJ got kind of this Kobe Bryant air about him. Right. He ain't really arrogant, but he real confident about it. For sure, and that makes you th that makes you look at a person like, and he arrogant his head. But as if you don't know him, right, that's what you're gonna think. For sure, and for a year, that's how it was. For sure, and we we didn't hang out. We didn't. We was cordial. We was respectful to each other in the locker room. It was nothing major, you know right. what I mean. But it was it was still that tension there. And then we went overseas, and that's when it all changed. Hmm. Coach was like, coach noticed it. And he was like, hey, y'all two going to room together. Right. And I look, I was like, nah, man, I'm rooming with Ryan. You know, Ryan was my roommate. He's been a roommate for, for two years. This is who I'm rooming with. Ryan Stats. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, nah. 
we're going to change it up. You guys, y'all going to room. So we got in the room. We probably got in the room uh, probably about 10 o'clock, man, and we talked till probably 4, 35 o'clock in the morning. Wow. We wow. just let it. We just aired it all out and sitting down just talking to him. I got a better understanding of who B.J. Mackey really is. Right. And he's not the guy I, I thought he was that I, that I portrayed on him. I didn't know him. I didn't have an opportunity to talk to him like that. For but sure. I know he was a good and smart ball player. For sure. But, you know, once we did that and we uh, we just we just mm-hmm. understood that we needed both each other. Because to me, I think you can't mention one without the other. For sure. For sure. I'm talking, I'm talking about all three of us. We Because that's how connected we were during that time. When right. Larry graduated, it was just me and B. And mm-hmm. we, we still did some good things and. And we were able to just we were we were click. But you, know, you, you made a good point. You made a good point that people don't understand the reason why is because we fear. We fear mm-hmm. of, of 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 someone taking our spot, coming out some outshining us. We fear those things. So we put those walls up, right? Right. We create right. these different these different things about the person that we fear that's not necessarily true. You know, right. if we just start becoming mature and learn how to, to talk and communicate, we take some of that energy off. And, mm-hmm. and, and I said, say this, when you walk into a restroom and someone's in the restroom, you know, you know, everybody as men, you know, we, 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 we clutch up. We become in defense mode. If you just say, what's up? That kills and makes the whole room less tense. Like, hey, how you doing? That kills it. So I think. Right. Because if, if you walk in there, you don't say anything, and you leave out there. Yes, you leave. You walk in there with tension, leave out with tension. Communication always eases things, right? So players, right. if you're listening to this, and you got those <clears throat> players on your team, just talk. You know, go out to eat, go out, go out to a movie and something, and just not talk about basketball because you understand that's you both a types. You both both want the same thing. You just got to come to common ground and, and work things out. Right, right. I, I you're <clears throat> absolutely right about that. So what you've experienced is something that we all as humans, we do on a, in some time of our lives where things that we're unfamiliar with, um, things that we don't know about, we tend to fear them and we, we create this, this whole story in our mind about that situation, about that person. What can be very, very detrimental to that person and to yourself as well. So it takes courage. Um, it takes a, a body of character to um, identify the problem with that person or within that situation. Um, talk it out with somebody about the situation or talk to the person about the situation and hash it out, come to a common ground. And it only can be beneficial for everybody that's involved. One of the things that we try to do with, with, with me coaching my team, I try to have team bonding stuff. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to, 
you don't have to be the best of friends, but you got to respect each other. And you got to play for each other when you're on the court. That's the most important thing. For sure. And I think some of these kids, man, you know, they, they, they're put in a tough situation because, you know, at practice and during the games, they hear from me a different way. But when they go home, they hear something else. So now there's a conflict between these kids. Like, who should I listen to, man? I love my dad. I respect my dad. But, right. hey, my coach, man, you know, so that – a lot has changed since we came through. A lot has changed. And, you know, the guys who are playing now, uh, the one advice I can give them, man, is to be slow to speak, but, you know, quick to listen, observe, take it all in, and just analyze the situation and and see it for what it is. And I think sometimes, you know, they, they put too much pressure. And the, and the thing is, if you just go and have fun and work hard, all that other stuff will take care of itself. Let me let me let me let me go back and, and give you support with that because I know where you're coming from. I know you, how, how humble you're trying to be and how cautious you're trying to be and talk. But I can I can talk and help you out, <laughs> right? And, right. And what the problem is is that <clears throat> these kids they on the video games all through seventh eighth grade, right? Right. We played varsity, bro, in seventh grade. Back in mm-hmm. the eighties, right, nineties. Okay, it's 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 two thousand twenty now, right? So right. the game has evolved. So you got kids that's playing and developing at fifth, fourth grade, right? So by the time right. they get to seventh grade, you're a little more advanced if you wasn't doing those things. Mm-hmm. I tell play, I tell families, parents all the time. I only can work what you bring to me. That's right. Once they, once you in high school, once you cross that threshold of eighth grade, you come into uh, to, to, to high school basketball. First of all, your 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 parental influence is not is not more not more involved. It's more supporting what the coach's interest is. You know what I mean? So you have to you have to disconnect mm-hmm. your feelings. Disconnect what you want for your kid. You gotta, and if you don't have those preparations through sixth, seventh, eighth grade to prepare for this time. They're not going to be the player you want them to be. They're not going to be the time you want them to get because somebody else is doing other things better. Here's the thing I hear a lot too. Oh man, um, he's not he's not as talented. He's not doing well. To bake a cake, you need eggs, water, heat. You need a pot to mix it. You need a. Uh, so if, I, if I'm a coach and I got all these things, I don't need two spoons to mix my right. to mix my batter. If, if, mm-hmm. the, if the batter calls for a cup of water, I don't need three cups. So right. I got to find something else. Do this, be a sprinkler, you know what I'm saying? Improvise and, and <laughs> make the make the kick better. So I, I I know how frustrating it is because the parents don't want to let us coach. They don't want to let us do our job. Trust me to do my job. And trust me that, I, that you know I'm not going to mistreat your kid. I'm not going to mislead your kid. I want to win. So right. if he got four horns coming out of his shoes and, he, and he's running and <laughs> doing what I want to do, he can hit the floor. <laughs> right, exactly, Period. exactly. They, uh, and I, I never understood that statement. Like, man, coach holding my kid back. What's the benefit of me holding your kid back? Why? I, I, what I'm trying to do is hide his deficiencies and and not expose himself as much as he would if if I allow him to just do do it the way you're asking me to do it. I'm trying to hide some things and try to develop some things at the same time so it can make so I can make it look good and presentable. You go out, like you say, it's how you present things. You can't come 
you can't come and and present something that I pick over the food and I'm gonna bring it and say, hey man, why don't you come try that? You know, the first I don't want that. You know what I mean? I don't want that. That don't look good. Right. So that's where they're missing that mark on that. That's that's how we show how much we care about the kid. Right. Because we care enough to hide them and but still try to help them reach their goals wherever that is may be. Now everybody's journey is different. And I keep I tell my kids this all the time. What kills what kills the game to me is social media. Mm. I like to thank God for the offer. Mm. I like to thank God for that offer, this offer. Okay. Which I, what some of these kids don't know, some of those offers ain't committable. Right. So, right. you know, it's just sometimes don't look at how somebody else eating and when they eat. Mm. You worry about what's on your plate. Mm. Your meal may come in the 18th hour mm. and your meal may be bigger. Mm. But you got to be patient and you got to trust the process and you got to trust all your all the people who are around you. You got to surround yourself with the people who are going to help you reach those goals too. I think some of these kids missed the mark on that. You know, they think it's they think it's cool hanging out two, three o'clock in the morning or sitting at home and playing Xbox until four or five o'clock in the afternoon. Now you're tired. You don't want to go work out. When little Johnny, who wasn't that good, was in the gym since 12 to 5. Right. Now, when y'all get to high school, little Johnny's skills are better. He's right. starting. Whereas in middle school, you were the name. Everybody right. knew who you were. But now this kid didn't pass you. And that's where some of these parents are getting mad. Like, mm. my kid better. My kid, in middle school, my kid, well, this ain't middle school. This ain't middle school. Yeah, this right. ain't middle school. Interested in skill development because my daughter would like to play high school basketball and possibly college basketball. Um, the expectations are, you know, for Jamel are just to communicate with the player and my, my daughter and just make her feel, you know, just continue to, to build her confidence and build her skill set and, uh, you know, support her as she transitions into that um, high school player. Um, and also then um, he can provide some support with management of uh, getting, uh, looking at colleges and trying to see what the best fit is for her um, and, and, and supporting on that as well. So I think, um, you know, that's really um, a, a really important thing. Raising a student athlete is just as important as being one. The game's changed. You're thinking that now, before, in the intermediate level, all you got to do is worry about, you know, who's got the, who can jump the highest, who, who got the, the best tenacity. But, mm -hmm. but now it was time. The referee is a thinking man's game, along with those extra things that you got to bring. You know right. What I mean? And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's tough. And you mentioned some real point about, about this days and time, bro, like, with the pandemic going on and, and you weren't able to see your kids, how, how are, not as you, but how are your kids deal with that? Because we, we use the sport as an outlet, man. We use the sport to, 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 to get off stress, <clears throat> to, to, to fellowship with, you know, uh, uh, with, with other players. How, how, how have you and your team been dealing with, uh, with, 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 with being shut down and not be able to have practice and all that stuff right now? Now, during, during that time, man, it was really difficult. I had parents 
who were kind of upset and and thought, you know, well, he ain't working and, um, and my kid need to be in the gym. Well, my hands are tied. We're, we're under the high school league rules. Right. And they right. say I can't go in the gym. I can't go in the gym. Right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna jeopardize my health and my family health just so your kid can get an hour in. Right. What what we try to do, uh, work in, what we try to do is, what I try to do is I text or Zoom with my kids. Mm-hmm. Hey, what are you doing right now? And coach, I'm bored. Grab a ball and go outside. Outside. That's what we used to do. Right. We ain't had no indoor. Right, right. It was dirt, cement. You fall, you dirty, you bruised up, you get up, you keep playing. Right. We didn't have a gym where air conditioned and stuff like that. We, we didn't have all of that. Lights shut off. We get guys to drive their car up to the edge of the uh, to the court, turn the lights on so we can keep hooping. Right. That's the type of stuff we did, you know. So I always try to instill in my kids, man, hard work don't go unpaid. Right. Got to put the work in. I say in this game, in basketball, basketball don't lie to you. Whatever you put in it point. is what you're going to get out of it. And it's, and it's brutal. I mean, my, I, my son always wanted to play, couldn't quite get on. He started late. You know, I wasn't always down there to be able to help him as much, but we had conversations and and we talked on the phone. But what I try to make sure that the kids that I'm working with include my, my son is that sports can't make you. Sure. You can't allow sports to control you. You can't allow you can't make your being about sports. You're using sports. To a, to a means to an end because it's going to end. And when it ends, you got to be able to walk away and be fine with all the things you done put in it. For sure. You know, and I think a lot of athletes struggle with that because they just have unfinished business and they don't really have a a, a next step because it's, it's, it's millions of dollars or bucks. And it's really not that, you know, you get your education, you go overseas. There's a lot of different things that ball can provide for you, but you just got to understand how uncommitted this game is to you. Right. Because you can get cut, hurt at any time and it's over. Right. And and you made a I want to segue into that that uh, topic right quick about, you know, um the, you know, playing after after USC. Um because I know that I think the lockout, you know, we talked about I think the lockout kind of hurt your hurt your chances a lot, you know, mm-hmm. playing at the next level. Um Take us back to, you know, about that time, a little stories about, because you, you worked out in Charlotte, um, your, your agent, you played overseas. Like, take us back, you know, with those times and how all those things happened and, and, and what are the experiences from that? Well, dude, that was probably the hardest uh, moments in my life. Because, you know, in college, man, when we're playing, it's fun. Right, it's, right. It's fun when you're winning. And people patting you in your back and you help your team win a conference championship or you, you get ranked, all that stuff is fun. But when when it becomes a job job, it's tough, man. I mean, during the lockout, there wasn't anything moving. I mean, jobs overseas were taken by NBA players. Um, like nobody really knew how how the lockout was gonna end with the collective bargaining agreement. You know, everybody was just like Hey man, save your money. Or if you ain't playing, you better go over to China or you better go to Europe. Or you know, so those guys were snatching up the jobs. Right. Guy, so a guy like me coming out, uh, 
at the time. I hadn't finished my degree. I was working two jobs. I would get up at five in the morning and go to um, to work out and then go to class. And then I'll leave class at 12 o'clock. I would go to a logging home business from 12 to like five. And then from five, I would go to Ben Arnold to and work the forklift and work wow. in the warehouse. Wow. And then when I leave the warehouse, I'm back in the gym getting shots up about eight or nine o'clock. That was my day. Wow. Every day, that was my day. Wow. And at this time, you know, I was I was fortunate enough to have some room uh, some teammates, man, that really looked out and allowed me to stay with them. Because at this time, when you're when your eligibility up, you're on your own. You sure. gotta figure it out on your own. For sure. And I remember sitting in Coach Fogler's office and it was like, Hey, you can go back to Charleston or you can figure out a way to stand up here, or man, you know, for for about two weeks I was living in my car. Right. Because I knew, Lo, Lo Duke, if I knew if I went back to Charleston, I wasn't going to get out. For sure. But I, had, I had to make that decision of not going home and getting comfortable. Because when right. you get comfortable, that's when you become stagnant, right. and that's when you miss your blessing. For sure. So I ended up going through that grind, and, and I remember being – and then there was the IBA. That opened up. Uh, yeah. Then, so I went out to um, – to, to North Dakota, but I, I got picked up by Sioux Falls and the CBA at the time, which is the MBD up with the MEDL now, which, mm-hmm. which, you know, I had a pretty good camp until I got hurt. And then other guys were picking it up and they released me sitting on the steps, snowing, just sitting outside <laughs> trying to figure out what's the next move. Right. And then a the guy came and said, Hey man, I watch you doing camp. I definitely think you can help us. We got a team up in Fargo. I was like, I'm in. Now I'm making like $275 every two weeks right. with with the kid on the way. Mm. And I'm sending that home. And mm. I'm barely living up. I'm living off Burger King and, and Perkins at the time, That's which true. is like a $10 meal. So, you know, it, it was that grind. And then when that, when that season was over, I came back. Uh, I came back to USC. I went back to class. I was finishing up. I, I probably had like three classes left. So I was finishing up, and I got my first contract to go to, to Greece. Wow. And it was a six-figure contract. Nice. So I went over there, and I'm thinking, six figures when you broke? That's a lot of money. Sure. Sure. <laughs> That's a lot of money. So I got over there, man. I stayed over there for about two months, two and a half months, and did not get a cent. What? So I had to I didn't get paid, so I had to come back, start this grind all over again. And then I finally I got to Belgium. Belgium was way less money. They weren't quite sure if they wanted to keep me, so it started low. And then I just kind of gradually worked to to some decent money. And at the time, any money was better. I just wanted to be able to to provide, but. At, after that, uh, you know, I went to Charlotte, and I, I actually had a really good camp in Charlotte. Right. In my opinion, I had a really good camp. I actually had a conversation with uh, Cowens about going to the CBA and playing for a team, like kind of placing me, because they already had three guys in the guaranteed contract. And I don't know, man, just, you know, my wife, can she can attest to this. 
after I talked to him, we were in Columbia and I was staying and we were staying in a furnished apartment and I got a call from Seattle and she answered it. And it's like, Hey man, we, we heard that you were free. We want you to come out mm. and at this time. Seattle wanted a, a guard. Right. We want you to come out. Mm. We think you, we think it's a great opportunity. I said, and I, I remember distinctly telling the guy, Hey, um, Coach, can I call you back in about five minutes? Now, I, that, I know that's absolutely the craziest thing. This is the NBA calling. This is an NBA call. Right. I, I sat down and I talked with her, and it was something I did not want to do. What? I did not want to do. And she, she'll tell you. I called the guy back, and I said, you know, Coach, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to stay overseas. So I stayed overseas at this at this time I was just I was more about stability mm. than maybe. I had too many responsibilities mm. that I had to make sure I get done because nobody wanted to hear, hey, can you mm. can you give me a little right. bit more time or right. wasn't hearing that. You, you right. know, right. You keep talking about a little bit more time, you right. you know what's next. So <laughs> so I I had to make sure I made a conscious decision to make sure responsibilities were taken care of. Wow. So wow. I I, yeah. I essentially walked away from that and never looked back. Wow. Wow. So I played I played overseas and I don't I don't regret it. I don't I don't regret it. I think um you know, my time in Charlotte was really good. I got a chance to play in a preseason game, got a chance to play against Ant. You know, at the time, and Ant and I, he shared, he gave me some great advice while I was there. He was like, hey, man, just relax and play your game. You belong here. Right. right. You know, Ant was like, you know, you belong here. And in the same breath, he got on a breakaway, and I ran him into the supports. <laughs> uh, <laughs> five the crap out of him. <laughs> you my so, hand. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I just, I just, you know, I just realized some things, and, I was okay. I was okay with how everything was getting ready to transpire and how everything was turning out. You know, I got a terrific wife, got a great family. We right now we're we're doing really well. I had a chance to go back and get my masters and you know, everything just worked out the way it should. I, I, I guess this is the path I'm supposed to be on. And it's I always, think it's always it's always the path, man, led by by the higher being. I think you know, had you, you know, take the trip to Seattle, not, you know, you know, being, being selfish because yeah, that, that's something that you wanted, but you wanted that because that could have provided more. But at the same time, my dad always tell me a burden. Yeah. Hand, a burden. Hand but is it's like, Biggie, it's like Biggie Small said, more money, more problems. That's true. That's true. That's true. You know, a, a burden in the hand is worth more than two in the bush. That's what he always got that right. Yeah. Me. Um, so that's you know I, I didn't know that story I didn't know that you know that that happened that's that's just that's a that's a character decision you know what I'm saying yeah. you yeah. know most most guys wouldn't wouldn't make that decision they'll go no no they, no they, they would I mean but you know a little bit of the backstory for sure and for I can't get into it sure. on sure. air but for sure you know I I for me man I just I had hit a point where listen. I didn't 
I don't, I didn't want to have to keep continuously keep having to make tough decisions. For sure. For sure. And, and it still ended up being a tough, still being, end up being tough because I, I couldn't, at the end of the day, I still wasn't allowed to be the father I wanted to be. For sure. For sure. Um, and, and, and I just, that's just life. It's nobody's fault. It was just life. It was a, it was a journey that I had to go through to learn how to be a better, better man, a better husband, and a better father. For sure. So through all, through all that, with the, all that being said, um, I'm really thankful for the situation I'm in and how God has blessed me to be able to, to share my experience with uh, young black men who I encounter with every day and trying to help them reach their goals. I think this is why I'm in the position I'm in right now For sure. to help younger mm-hmm. guys. Cause you know, we, we had each other. For sure. But when you look around now, we, and we had the community, we had each other, we had the community, the community backed us. But now when you look around, when you look around now, there's so much going on right now. And you, you just want to be a, a, a shoulder that these kids and come lean on and talk to besides right. just sports. It's always good to hear those stories. Here we had Coach Watson had an opportunity to play on the highest level of his career. And we played on the parks together. Um, played in high school together, um, played major basketball, um, collegiate basketball. He had the opportunity to get a call to play in the NBA. Um, but considering circumstances and situations, that allowed him to make a crucial de- decision where he wanted to base his time. I mean, the decision based on fulfilling a personal need or a need for his family. And he sacrificed a, a, a personal want for a collective need and again that's important um, a lot of people wouldn't make that decision um, and continue to be selfish so again decision making is very important and um, Melvin decision turned out the way it's supposed to turn out for his life He made a name for himself as a star for the College of Charleston basketball teams in the mid to late 90s. And now, Jermell President is doing what he can to make sure that the Charleston area kids have a chance to succeed on the court and in life. So I want to, you know, give some of that back to the community as well. Um, After college and after playing professionally, uh, I started the Day Foundation just to to be that wealth of knowledge to the kids in the community and, and parents as well. College of Charleston Hall of Famer Jamel President said he saw a need for this while he was in school. So he founded the nonprofit Day Foundation. And its philosophy for success is based on what he calls his oatmeal recipe. Let's go and finish together. Basically, teaches the game of basketball, focusing on skills, development, nutrition, and education. Not only SAT, ACT type stuff, but education for parents in how to navigate through the different levels of athletics. In, in closing, Coach, um, you know, one thing we designed is, uh, is an oatmeal recipe. And oatmeal recipe is skill development, nutrition, and education. 
And those things, I think, you know, it goes, it transcends as far as any sport, you know, uh, your career, because we just talked about it. Um, how important is uh, skill development, you know, to you, you know, as a player? Because, you know, if we, I can honestly say, we didn't really do no skill development. We, we played all the time, but we didn't do no skill development until the latter part in high school when it, you know, when they started, you know, putting chairs up and doing those things. We did skill development on holidays. <laughs> but, <Right. laughs> but we didn't do skill development coming up. How important is skill development to you when it comes to basketball and, and life? It's important. It is. <clears throat> and you just got to realize you got to meet the kids where they're at. I think what we, what I've come to find out with a lot of coaches, this is high school, we like the instant oatmeal. We Sometimes we just want to add water mm. and let it be successful. Mm. Sometimes we can't do that. Sometimes we got to, like you say, you got to boil the water. You got to put the oatmeal in there. Got to put a little sugar on it, put a little, little raisin in it so it can taste good. Mm. And So we got to meet the kid where they're at and be patient. The mm. key is just having the patience and just walking them through that process. They may not be able to use their left hand for four months, but after four months, they can be really good with it. Right. They may not be able to shoot a jump shot because they're shooting across their face right. instead of bringing the ball here and how they release is, is at fingertips and guide hand. I know that's crazy to you because you know I ain't no damn shooter. So, so but to, 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 to learn all that in Europe and to bring it back to help these kids become better shooter and work on their skills and teaching them like you got to do it every day you know I'm in a place where we got a lot of success in football a lot of division one guys we got a lot of pro athletes that go on to play NFL but they love ball mm -hmm. they all come back they all come visit with me they want to want me to open a gym so we can play they all love ball for sure so but the thing about the kids that I have now, they're not those type of athletes. So I got to meet them where they're at. So, you know, when you're playing football, hey, Saturday and Sunday, we got to get to the gym. We got to get on the shooting machine. Right. We just got to help. We just got to help nurture them and what they do best. I think you said that earlier. This is what you do best. We're going to make sure you specialize in it. Right. And then when we start adding some other stuff onto it, it's going to look good. The presentation is going to look really good and you're going to like the results. So for sure. we just got to be patient. We can't expect, we can't look, always look for the instant oatmeal and add water. And now we're ready to eat. Sometimes we got to prep the table. Right. So, what about education? Education is the same thing. You know, school was always hard for me. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of it, especially in school because I hated getting things wrong and I hated looking stupid in front of my peers. Right. So I wouldn't answer or I'll just take the 45 or I'll just take the zero. But once you and I got into a situation where academic is the is the, is the starting point, without that, you can't do anything. For sure. And I stress that more than enough to the parents and these kids. I have like a thing where I have it mapped out. If you follow these guides, you should have all your core classes and you should have over two five if you follow the guy that uh, a, a football coach and I mapped out and we that we did. And we every kid, every kid we think has potential, follow that map. Whether they make it or not, they still have an opportunity. 
For sure. But for me, again, man, you know, I, I never said this to you, but the letters on the on the books look like they used to jump around, man. Like <laughs> my my, I'm, seriously, my 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 youngest daughter has that where she she read things, but sometimes she reads it backwards. Dyslexia. It's not really dyslexia no. or anything like that. But like when I would be reading, I, I'm sure that's the word. Be like, no, that's not what, what, that's right. not the word. Right. So you know. School got difficult, but then I learned how to how to work. Sure. I learned how to go back after school and talk to the teachers every day with geometry. For sure. For sure. <laughs> I learned how to do all of that stuff. Right. I learned how to talk to Ms. Green. I learned how to talk to Ms. Lessington. Right. I learned how to talk to Ms. Buck. Those were the first teachers that held me accountable academically. For sure. In middle school. Hey, hey, I heard you play ball. You ain't got these grades. You ain't playing ball. Right. You ain't my coach. Right. And next thing you know, you know, Coach Choice up there, hey, you ain't playing tonight. Right, right. You know, so. Uh, lastly is um, nutrition. I can't talk to nobody about nutrition. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting ready to do this live on air with you. We're talking about <laughs> <laughs> hey, call me tomorrow. We'll talk about it. <laughs> well, but tell them how important nutrition is, you know what I mean, for your for your body. It is. It is, man. You know, um, I actually talk to my kids about that now. You know, sometimes kids don't like the layout of the food at school, so they'll go a whole day without eating and then come into practice and you grinding on them and pushing their body shuts down and gets sick right. you know that type of stuff and then when you eat you can't eat fast food you know kids right. fast food is always an easy out for the kids because there's no food preparation for for the kids when they their mom gotta work so when they go home sure. they have to fend for themselves if they don't know how to cook you know the first thing they're gonna do is I'm gonna go to McDonald's Wendy's or Chick-fil-A and get this these type right. of stuff Right. So what I started doing now is we have a, a supplement set aside for our kids. And I would get like a sub sandwich, pasta, that type of stuff. So when they come in, when they get to the gym, after we have a walkthrough, they can eat something that's not heavy for sure. on their stomach going to the game. For sure. And because we'll probably sit for about two hours, three hours watching the girls and the right. JV girls play. Right. So that gives them an opportunity to let their food digest and and do whatever they need to do once we get in the locker room. For sure. But it is it's very important, man. And you know, I didn't eat pregame. If you talk to BJ or Larry, they'll tell you in pregame, man, I'll probably eat half of a chicken and that's it. You don't want to be heavy. No, I, I would be so nervous and ready to play before every game mm -hmm. that I couldn't eat. Mm -hmm. right. Now, I'll get a, a, a snicker bar and a jungle juice being a locker trade that eat that right quick go out i got a quick burst of sure. a, a sugar rush and then i'm, I'm ready to go right. but then the first two minutes after playing hard i gotta get a sub right right i wouldn't feed my body what it needed mm. so mm. you know our trainer at the time jeff parson great guy great trainer will get you right man he got me to start eating a little bit more sure you know, hey man you can't you know he, he was like he was like dad you got to eat the vegetable before you leave the table 
Right, right. You know, I'll make sure that I eat so I can be with the guys doing pregame and leave and get back to the gym and, and whatnot. But nutrition, man, you, I didn't – you really don't pay attention when you're working out three times a day. Right. Burning so much. Right. And when I got hurt and I couldn't run or do a whole lot of stuff that I did before, and then – uh, being a husband, dad sitting, and you you just start letting stuff go by. You start you still eating the same way, but right. you're not working out the same way. Sure. Now sure. you're behind the eight balls. So now it's a struggle. Right. Your weight fluctuating. It is a struggle. You see people, right. people like, hey man, right. oh man, what happened? Hey man, eating good. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm eating good, you know. When y'all saw me back in high school, I was I was poor. I was hungry. I was always hungry. So now I'm eating good. So that's what's up. That's what's up. But, but you know, I've I've, I've take taken in conscious of of making sure I take care of my body now, especially after having a conversation with with uh, Coach Fogler yourself. Sure. Uh, I've dropped 10 pounds now and it's still going in the right direction. Change how I eat, you know, because now my girls are watching me. I want to make sure, and they're in sure. sports. So I, sure. I can't get on them about stuff if I ain't doing it. So, sure. so that's important. For sure. Well, Mel, man, listen, and I, that's been an hour, 15 minutes of time, and you got to get going ready for tomorrow. I really, really appreciate you, man. I think this, you know, the stories in the gyms, that you dropped and, you know, people just understanding the way of how to get from, you know, one place to the other is, is, is very important to the viewers. And I think, you know, they'll, they'll enjoy, they don't get to see you as much, but they'll enjoy hearing you and hearing the stories that, you know, we talked about today. Well, man, I appreciate you having me on, man. I think you got, what you got going on is, is great. I'm always going to support you and anything you're doing and keep it up, man. I'm proud of you. I appreciate you, big guy. All right, man. All right, man. We we we'll see you soon, man. Have a good season too. I'll be I'll be watching you. All right, man. We'll get up later. For sure, big guy. Thank you too. All right. All right. Peace. What Jermel is doing with Today Foundation and the approach he's taking to help develop young athletes. First of all, getting them prepared from the academic standpoint, which as you know as well as I do, Bobby, that's the most important element to try to get them to eat healthy, to be able to train properly, to get the proper education, and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on to perhaps even get a free education by going off to college. But I love what Jermel is doing. It's a wonderful program. Hopefully more people in the community will get behind it and some of the businesses involved as well to help sponsor this program because these are the kind of things that every community needs looking out for the best interest of the youth. The future of this country is in our youth. And everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful. And and I can't express adequately enough my admiration and respect for what Jermel is doing. And hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people. There it is, guys. Another one in the books. Um, that there was a good friend of mine, Melvin Watson. Um, it was good to talk to him about some of the things we've experienced and share some of the stories through our lives that uh, coming up and having the same goal and ad- admirations, aspirations, um, and getting those things fulfilled. And to the audience and players out there, find that person, that best friend that helped you support 
help to support each other on your on your goals. Um, so that was a really, really good, great conversation. I appreciate that brother first time. I appreciate calling him a friend. Coming up next, we got Coach Betts, Ben Betts, um, that coached me in, in college. And again, it was another good friend of mine. Um, he'll be right up. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month.